Hello? Will. Hey, what's up? Bro, bro, can you see me? I can see you, yes. Bro, sorry, I'm putting my hair up. Hold on. Um, <laughs> let me invite you. Are you going to be able to do video today? Yeah. Sweet, let me send you an invite. Okay. Puppy. Uh-oh. Yeah, they may be, uh, <laughs> may be, I like may be a little riled up. Bro, it's great to see you. You, you clean-shaven-ish. Ah, you Yes. Look? Yes, for sure, for sure. Got to bring back the the Chamberlain. Definitely, definitely on the agenda. Bro, it's uh, it's been a while, man. How you been? Been doing good. Everything's been good. You know, just working, trying to trying to not get COVID. Enjoying. What about you, dude? I am also trying not to get COVID, bro. And it's about to become, I'm afraid, a more arduous task because to back to school plan. And the back to school leadership in our state is not there. It's yeah. not there for K twelve. It's it's sort of there at some colleges, but like you want to hear our our college, no social distancing guidelines whatsoever. Wow, my classes <clears throat> because they were already scheduled. I'm teaching several online classes in the spring, but they would not convert any of my face to faces to online. So I'm teaching five face-to-face -face classes with 32 people in every one of them, 32 chairs, no social distancing. Oh, they, can, no. they can make the decision to log in remotely, but the issue is we serve so many rural areas mm. that that's going to be hard to pull off, you know, like, uh, like people from around like Wonderview and Clinton, they're just not going to be able to uh to do that so they're gonna have to come to class and then i have to say eh why aren't you wearing well actually i can't say that i say uh you have to put a mask on or leave oh really they're making they're so they're making all the students wear masks oh yes yes <clears throat> which i don't have a problem with right yeah. but the issue is is that is the classes are going to be full there's only 32 seats they're small rooms um and there's not going to be the ability to distance right yeah. and that when we have to all wear masks myself included so i'm lecturing in a mask right and <laughs> yeah it's uh which i don't have no problem with that dude i've been wearing a mask like everywhere i go i know yeah. that i told you i i would not get the flu shot but that's because i'm afraid of needles right <laughs> right right i got gotcha. you i got gotcha. you bro i got i got blood drawn like uh two days ago i still oh no man that's right <laughs> did you pass out no i was just like <clears throat> the the lab tech she was probably 60 she was so nice I, put, I think her name was missy but um she was just i was like i'm so scared i have two black belts <laughs> and i want you i would you can punch me but i needles is scary and she's just like like grabs my hands and she's like it's gonna be okay like she's super comforting <laughs> uh dude yeah, i'm like that too man I, I passed out multiple times when i get my blood drawn and i'm a big baby you know and so they they're like how are you yeah. such a baby but you know they, they'll take care of you they'll get it fixed up for you yeah, that's and you still get flu flu shots and stuff. Oh yeah, listen, hey, the Even flu models. The, 
No, the flu needle's super thin. Hey, come by. You come by. I'll fix you up. I'll get you a flu shot. I swear you won't. You can, if you feel it, you can punch me. There's a very thin needle. You can't even feel it going into your muscle. Punch me at the same time so I don't think about it. There you go. There you go. It's a good strategy. While it's going, do you give the shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give the shot. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's kind of segue into that. So you're a pharmacist. Will Walker, the pharmacist. Um, I had to differentiate that on my videos because yesterday did, I had Will Walker, the MMA fighter on the podcast. Wow. That's Remember awesome. Me telling you about the pro fighter. Yeah. With the same name as you, because when you started training, I was like, Will Walker, man, that is so familiar. And I was like, duh, that's Will Walker over here. It's the, the it pro fighter. So he was on the podcast. So ironically, the same week as you. I'm going to listen. I'll go listen to it. I bet it's a good one. I've got, I, I sat to upload it. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little, man, misheveled moving into my new studio. I'm in, but like, I'm still networking stuff. I got a new mixer over here. Ooh, is that at your house? No, dude, I had the new studios at the gym. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Have, so, and you were at the new gym, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So it's that other glass door. It's its own entrance and exit. So if you look at the front of the building, there's two glass doors, right? One over by the dumpster. Oh, okay. That's the wow. studio, dude. Come, come do this sometime. Yeah, come take a look. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. But so, man, I didn't know that. I just never, I guess, thought about that pharmacists could administer. Do you do like other shots other than the flu shot? Like what, do you, what all do you do as a pharmacist other than fill prescriptions for people? Oh man, that's a good question. And it's a long answer, but uh, to start off with the shots. Uh, yeah. So pharmacists can do any sort of injection. Uh, they all work under, you have to have be under a physician's protocol. Uh, most pharmacies are in a protocol with the Arkansas department of health. Uh, like they have like a pre-made one that you can sign up for. Ours is not with that. So we're a little bit more limited. Uh, but I could give you, uh, like if you walked in and said, Hey, I want a flu shot, we could fix you up. And we can also do, uh, I think it's the shingle shot as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the flu and the shingle shot we can do. But other pharmacies, they could do like travel vaccines. Um, I think some people even can do like, you know, there's different kind of like, you know, like testosterone or an antipsychotic drug. They could get on some protocol where they could help administer those um, shots to people for sure. I see. I don't, uh, maybe could be wrong about this, but uh, you mentioned testosterone. I know a few people that are, are you 30 yet? Are you in your 30s? I am 31. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. So you're just a couple years younger than me, but I know a few people in their 30s that are on TRT. I know even more people in their 40s. And then um, my dad is going to be 60 and he's been doing TRT, right? So that's becoming more and more uh, of a thing. Uh, well, do you know anything about TRT? I know a lot about TRT. Well, I say I know a lot. I, I shouldn't say that. I know some about TRT. Absolutely. Um, uh i think it's great so at cnd we do custom compounding for like hrt or hormone replacement therapy um i think it's a great thing i think thing. that's actually what my dad does if i'm doing not hrt yeah for yeah. sure for sure as long as you do these things under like a super, uh, physician or a, a nurse practitioner or a healthcare provider uh some good guidance man it can it can really increase the quality of people's life so i'm i'm all for it uh i think it's got a bad stigma there's some, there, have you seen the documentary that I think it was Mark Bell maybe, or one of the Bell brothers did about, it's like bigger, faster, stronger steroids in America. 
been a long time. Um, I need to rewatch it. It's been like years since I saw that. That's been out for a long time, has it not? Yeah, it's been out for a long time. They did a really good job in that explaining kind of like, you know, why it's, why did, so like, like oral, so this is just not to get off into the weeds, but like the reason that there's all these different types of like, uh, like pro hormones or pro testosterone drugs is because during the HIV AIDS, you know, epidemic, there was a lot of people that were developing like muscle wasting and they were passing away because of it. So all these pharmaceutical companies came together and said, Hey, you know, how can we stop it? Came up with all these like different oral testosterone type deals. Uh, and it really, it really helped improve outcomes in people with, uh, with uh, muscle wasting disease of AIDS. But, uh, but then it kind of like got incorporated into like performance and different things like that. And people were kind of using it for, uh, for, uh, beneficial, like kind of like kind of cheat the system kind of, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's something I'm so fascinated by, uh, and went down probably 18 months ago, the rabbit hole on like, have you seen the documentary Icarus? I have not. I have not. <clears throat> that's a big recommendation. Um, Icarus, is about what you're talking about in cycling, right? So what's fascinating though, is you can watch Icarus, then you can go over to Joe Rogan and watch the director of Icarus on Joe Rogan. Um, I think his name was Foley or Fogel. I could be wrong, but he was an amateur cyclist and he was going to, um, he was going to basically do an experiment on himself where he took uh, different types of steroids that cyclists used. I forget the whole side of the story, but, and then he was going to run a race, but something happened at the race and it messed up the experiment. But during all this, he started consulting this Russian doctor who was the doctor and he like defected in his witness protection because he was the doctor who was doping the Russian Olympic teams right? So like that whole scam about how Russia got pulled out of the Olympics, like dovetails in with this Icarus documentary. And Joe Rogan has had um, Lance Armstrong, Jeff Nowitzki, who busted Lance Armstrong and is now the guy that is the uh, doping guy in the UFC. So there's a lot of really good and informative content around those three or four podcasts and the Icarus documentary. Uh, but yeah, the I need to go back and watch that bigger, faster, stronger documentary because I bet that would be a good sort of prequel to that. Like yeah, you can sure. see the, the, the branching out. <sighs> yeah. Performance enhancing drugs, man. You know, and we're, what do you think about, um, do you know anything about detecting methods on that stuff? So it seems like they're getting uh, more sophisticated, but uh, with that, Every time they get a little bit more sophisticated, I feel like the people that are using it to their advantage also, like, it's kind of like a, a back and forth or a race. Like, they may develop a new way to do something that's undetectable. Because if you get somebody that's smart enough, they can generally figure out ways around, you know, the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Are you, so, let, let's back up a little bit. Maybe you can um, <clears throat> offer some insight on this. I'm not sure. Like, why... Why is it, or maybe it's always been this way that we have to, it maybe, maybe myself, maybe at 33 years old, I, I have to start taking TRT and that's a, a legitimate need. Like, what is it that's changed? Why do we have to do that? That's a great question. Uh, so I'll give you my opinion on it. So basically like, <clears throat> so like you're born, right? Then you become a, you know, grow up, you become a teenager, 
and then you're you know 18 20 you're feeling great because your objective is to basically uh reproduce right and so the older you get the less uh it's you're at a disadvantage biologically if you have a child at an older age so your body kind of starts winding it back it's just part of aging it's a natural thing uh so if somebody has low testosterone or their testosterone drops that's just kind of like a reality of life but now we're at a spot in society with our science and all and you know pharmaceuticals everything we can kind of reverse the effects of that and and make you feel a little bit better um which is great but also it is like a billion dollar industry and so you probably can't even you know drive down the road without hearing a radio thing check your t levels get your t levels checked so there's a lot of marketing and i think um because it's so profitable it's being pushed more and more now than it really ever has before yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, and uh, you know, people like I said of all ages, Joe Rogan, he does it and swears by it. Um, one of my chiropractors uh, does it and swears by it. Like, man, I just feel great. But <clears throat> it is interesting. What if this, um, this is another thing that I've worried about. Uh, and I don't know if I need to take it or not. I feel like I do. I feel like I do all right. But it's like, is that going to be something for me in the future? But what about say, um, Let's uh, spin a hypothetical situation. Let's say I did start taking it and then I lose my job at the university, right? Okay. And then I lose my health insurance. So then I can't take the injections anymore. This is a hypothetical situation, right? But if that's the case, what does that do to my body if, if I have to stop taking it? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. Uh, so once you, so basically whenever your, uh, your body produces its own natural testosterone, like it's doing right now, it's called endogenous hormones, right? And so when we start to supplement it, uh, that's called exogenous, you know, exogenous projection. Cause we're taking some testosterone that's not made naturally in the body, uh, that our body's not naturally making and you inject it in there. So basically this is all working off a feedback mechanism. So when you start getting exogenous shots, your endogenous production says, Hey, whoa, listen, we got plenty of tests. I don't need to make any testosterone. So you may hear about people talking about the side effects of like testicular shrinkage. And that's, that's a real thing. And that's only because, you know, your testosterone's uh, made in your testicles. So when your body says, Hey, we're getting it from out here. Don't make any more, you know, your testicles will kind of rescind and go back up. So then, so, okay, so then what happens? All right, so you say you no longer have access to the shot or the exogenous supply. Well, now you ain't got it coming down there and you don't have it, you know, in endogenous production anymore. So now you're pretty much worse off than you were originally, in my opinion. Um, but there are, there are uh, you know, there's pharmacological therapies you can do to uh, re reinvigorate your own endogenous production and get you back on track. But I would think that there for a while, you would probably feel pretty crummy. Yeah, like I've <clears throat> just read some some small reports of like depression um, or just like lethargic energy just zapped, um, which would maybe be depression. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I definitely thought about. What are some things uh, yeah, I've heard, I've actually looked into some of this It's like uh, it's been a while, but like, how can I boost my testosterone without taking shots, you know? Like, I, like one thing I remember is like, you could like, like basically just ice your testicles. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. one thing. Yeah, like cooling down, apparently cooling down your testicles will naturally boost testosterone. Unless I was reading a bro science article. Well, which, 
Testosterone's kind of like where bro science and real science intersect in that there's a lot of there's a lot of things that bro science gets right, you know, and they they uh because that's literally like maybe all they might focus. It's funny, like when you see the guys at the gym that are like super swell up and you know they're probably taking all kinds of things, they probably have a pretty good knowledge base of what's going on, which is which is pretty now that obviously that's not all of them, but but some of them really kind of get what's happening. Um so how could you produce your increase your own endogenous production? I really Let's don't see, know. I didn't want to get on shots. How could I increase just naturally? So I've the things that I've read um, from like some urological journals or there, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that I frequent medical journals. I don't, but like I would see like a link and click it. So there's been some, some stuff in urolo urologic journals that say uh, like maybe heavy squats or up your cholesterol, like eat more eggs because so cholesterol is like the precursor of all your sex hormones, so testosterone, estrogen, things like that. So I guess the thought is if you increase the amount of cholesterol you eat, which is generally, you know, don't go out and eat a bunch of cholesterol. That's, you know, but if you're curious about increasing your own testosterone, maybe maybe try to up your cholesterol. Uh, I really don't know. I don't know that, you know, there's a bunch of different supplements you can take um, mm. to try to do it, but like, you know, how much is that? It's just people trying to sell you snake oil. It's hard to say. I know, I know, right? And I, I do know there are some natural um, vitamins and, and dietary choices uh, that you can make. But, uh, you know, like I said, I could probably, um, I don't know, man, if any, I don't think I have low testosterone. I think I just do a lot of shit. But I really, I like what you were saying uh, with heavy squats. I noticed this. So I just, this is a great experiment within my own life recently. So probably when you started coming to the gym before, I was like on this three-year stint where I'd been off from competing and I'd not been um, as physically healthy as I should have been. Like rolling, I could just get by with like doing the minimal amount with 99% of the people here. So it didn't become exercise for me anymore. And I was just teaching more than anything. So I gained some weight. <clears throat> I was not feeling good. I started this new job. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't exercising. That's the biggest thing is I had stopped exercising for health. Uh, and I never really did exercise for health. The sad part, I was always trying to make weight for something, try to be a version of myself on a certain day. And um, when I like reversed that psychology and started exercising, started riding my bike, started running, so doing all of these things daily, uh, man, I have so much more energy and stamina and everything. It's remarkable, right? So I don't know. I haven't had my levels checked like back when I was feeling like shit. I, I wonder if that blood panel would, would show my T levels. Do you know? Some, I think you have to ask for it. I mean, of course, I'm sure everyone's different, but I know like uh, I had mine checked once and I had to ask for it uh, because they had to put a code into the insurance and say, Hey, okay, we want to, you know, give it, you have to like give them a reason why you want to get it checked so they can get your insurance to cover it. Uh, they might, it might, that'd be interesting. Um, was it just like a routine one or what, why, why would they take, like, was it a, a wellness check, man? Uh, you know, another, another, uh, reason I really, one, I just was not having, I just was not having a lot of energy. I, you know, I teach, I do this here at the gym. I want to podcast with you. Like I, I, I want to play guitar. I've started to, so I'm now I was having, I felt I described this to somebody. It's like, I'm having a problem leveling up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I had always been able to like go to the next level as a human, like my whole twenties. 
And then like I start off in my thirties, things are amazing. We've got like, I'm about to start my history job, but man, it actually got super stressful there for a while until like I got a more logistical, better routine, better diet, better exercise. Getting up at four, man, that made all the difference on me building an exercise. Cause I was saying like, Oh, I can't, I can't exercise cause I don't have time. Right. Yeah. It's not true. I had time. I just had to get up earlier. And then I started going to sleep earlier. Then I was able to get off melatonin cause I just fall asleep naturally and I don't wake up till four. Yes. It's yes. great. Yeah, for sure. When they send you your blood panel back, you should, they'll probably check your thyroid. They're like, all right, make sure you don't have any thyroid problems because the energy level is a little bit, you know, might feel a bit off. Just say, hey, what about testing my testosterone, estrogen? It's a, it's a like, I don't know. How many vials of blood did they draw off of you? Three. They drew three off of you? Yeah, man. That's the sign, dude. I looked over and saw that it's full of blood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, so if it comes back, be like, hey, we, and it's just like a small vial, like it, it, you, it's a lot better to just once they, but you got to have that base test. So they got to pull three or four off of you. Uh, but then I would, you know, if, if everything looks good, follow up just for curiosity. Say, yeah, I want to get it tested. I will. I need to call them. They called me uh, yesterday while I was teaching, and uh, I need to call them back today so I can inquire about that. If you want to know something else funny, dude, like one of the reasons I'm asking all this and thinking about it, it's like, well, do I really need to call and check? Because that would mean getting testosterone injections, and I don't want to get shots. Ah, excellent. Well, what a good segue to mention uh, about the custom compounding we do at CND Drugstore. So we can actually do a topical testosterone. It's like a little deodorant thing. And I heard you, you about just that. Kind of click. Yeah, you just put it on your shoulder once a day. No injection necessary. Uh, people get a lot of you know. People really seem to enjoy it. So yeah, it's 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 a way to avoid the needle, if you will. Nice. Yeah. Genius. All right, I'm calling. Yeah. There you go. Excellent. Well, man. Uh, that's, you know, I, I really did just want to podcast with you because every time you've been in the gym um, and we have a conversation, it's usually a pretty rewarding conversation on some level for me. So, uh, and I know that you've, I mean, you're a pharmacist, you're a smart dude. You can, you, if anybody can educate me on things, it's going to need to be somebody like you. I will listen to you, you know what I'm saying? Because we relate on these other levels. That's always, I always try and pull like the experts in my life and be like, Hey, do you know about this? Like, what could you like McMillan on law enforcement? He's my oh, yeah. guy, you know, even he's chief of campus police. He's, he's been 20 years on the job. So he, he, every time I ask or bring something up, he tells me something I didn't think about. So, um, but man, how did you get, uh, how did you get to this knowledge level? I know you got, it's the family business, you you went to pharmacy school. How how long of a deal is that? And a little bit about what you got going on now. Sure. So I'll tell you my education path. So I graduated from Restville High School in 2007. Then from 2007 2011, I went to the University of Arkansas and got a degree in mathematics. From there, I parlayed it into you know, 2011 to 2015. So four years of pharmacy school. Uh, there is an option to do a residency at the end of pharmacy school. Uh, I pretty much knew I was coming back to Restville once I graduated, so I did not do that. So all together, you're looking at about eight years. Now, you don't have to do four years in undergrad. You can do two. So really, if you had your mind made up, you could you could get through pharmacy school from high school in six years for sure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 
I want to say um, this girl that I graduated, or no, she was a, she was a year or two younger than us. She, I think she did a six-year program. Uh, her name's Maggie Taylor. But uh, yeah, I mean, damn, that's, that's damn near like, a, a, like becoming a doctor, right? Like what's the difference in like your training versus going through, like when you said residency, are you saying like, like a doctor's residency or like, what is that like? So there, yeah. So there's residency pro programs for pharmacists where they go, uh, there's different kinds of them. Like there's some in hospitals or some in community settings, but so like a physician, a physician is going to go to college. Okay. And then they're going to go to four years of medical school. And then they're going to go to like, probably I think three to four years of uh, residency where they specialize in a subject and can then I think even do two to three to four more years of a fellowship. I'm not hundred percent sure. I've got some classmates that are my age that are, uh, you know, still finishing up kind of the fellowship part of the, of, of becoming a doctor. And they've been in school for, you know, I've been out working for five years, so they've, they've been in it for a long time, but that's how that man, they get really specialized and that's, you know, that's how they become experts, you know? So you knew you were coming back to Russellville um, because you're in the family business, I guess, right? You, you say your brother's a pharmacist as well. Like so my parents? sister's, my sister, okay, so I'll give, you the, I'll give you the breakdown. So my sister's a pharmacist. Uh, she works at Sparks Hospital in Fort Smith. And then my dad's a pharmacist, obviously. And my cousin, Yancey Walker, she also works at Sandy Drug. She's a pharmacist there as well. So we got, you know, it's definitely a family business. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I actually have a prescription over there I got to come pick up, bro. It's... Do you really? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, uh, well, when I went in for that wellness check, um, my nurse practitioner, she was asking me, I have an autoimmune disorder. Um, actually, I don't know if you can see, like, see that little spot on my arm? Yeah, okay. Like, I had a hernia repair. Here, let me Like a hernia repair uh, six years ago. And it's, it didn't even look like this when it sprang up. And it only really comes up in the winter. This is still, I figured it would go away once it got hot, like the coronavirus, but damn. Uh, but usually it's only bothers me in the winter and I'll get a little couple of spots here. But um, after I got this mesh put in on that hernia repair, I developed this crazy autoimmune disorder, dude, where mm. I had these spots, but they were little red drops. Uh, my dermatologist diagnosed it as gutate psoriasis. And I was telling her about it and she was just like, uh, and I haven't had any meds to tr like topicals. I had this one topical I would use for a long time. Um, and uh, she was like, well, you want a refill on that? And I was like, sure. So clobetasol is what it is. But um, that is like one of the things that really helped with that. Like I would put it on, did crazy thing. What would uh, trigger it? was exercise hmm. like no joke i would have i would get it under control i remember when i had my first black belt test um i'd had i had it under control like it was still in a couple of spots and i i went through this big excruciating like two and a half hour test right with like 18 rounds of sparring nine grappling nine nine kickboxing and then i showed like 42 boxing combos, 42 kickboxing combos, all of these kicks, all of these situations, grappling techniques. And um, just the further I went through, like the, the more spots on my body it would start popping up on. It was crazy, dude. It's fucking crazy. And I remember after that test, like, I mean, it would cut, it would like when it would get that bad, like 
it would come up all over my body and we would have to put that little like a little dab on every little spot that it came up is crazy dude wow that's wild i based off research i mean have you ever heard anything like that based off my research it was my my immune system's response to the mesh oh wow really that that's wild i haven't i don't know much about that i need to look at look in what was it called you said what kind of psoriasis or not uh did you say what was it again Gutate, it's a Latin word for teardrop, if I'm not mistaken. G-U-T-T-A-T-E. I'm going to read about that. So, so your body got to so the mesh got in your body and your, your autoimmune or your immune system was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this very much. And that is, you know, gutate psoriasis is a high autoimmune disorder. Like basically it was like, we've got stuff on our skin, attack. Right, and it would it 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 would be crazy, man. Like it it got super crazy, like on my scalp. You couldn't really see it because of my hair, but like um, they would give me this uh, kectoconazole or something like that shampoo. I would only use like the tiniest little bit, and it would make all of this all of it come off of my head. It was wild, dude. Wow. And I was like, never had anything like this. I remember I was. I got to where I was self-conscious about like get, getting depressed about it probably six months in before I got it under control. And it just blew my mind that I lived to be like 27 years old, perfectly healthy. And then I developed this crazy disorder that covered my body like that. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah, it was dude. Um, but I will say like a uh, diet definitely has something to do with it. If I eat a really good diet, I, I don't notice it. Mm. right so it's um it's weird it's i do still have like very minor lingering effects on it but yeah skin disorders man they're so weird it's very weird that is very weird but hey listen we'll get you that prescription we'll get it fixed up for you we'll get it fixed up for you just gotta come by yeah i think it's i think it's been filled so uh it's been a few days since i went over there but man it is so nice to just go get a wellness check and talk to a doctor and a nurse and I encourage everybody to do that, honestly, because I'm, I'm going to be doing it every year because I haven't really done that. I didn't really do those things throughout my 20s. I, like, I had a surgery and some stuff, but now I go to the dentist regularly, and it's nice, man. You got to have a good baseline, you know, because, like, when things start to change, you need to have, like, a reference point, right? So, like, say you, say you do get your – let's back – if just – testosterone you get it checked and you're like All right, i got 600 you know my numbers are fine and then you know five years down the road you get it rechecked and it's like 200 or something crazy well now you know for sure that it's down right it, otherwise how would you know that it hasn't always been 200 same with all your other labs like cholesterol and uh, a1c and different things like that good to get a baseline Where, where'd you go what uh what medical clinic did it for you uh conway regional here in town conway regional oh dude those are good people over there man yeah they actually um a lot of them come to the gym uh really brecken brecken findley brecken goes to the gym i didn't know that yeah and um and her kid also a daughter i believe a daughter it's core is one of core five to seven year olds i believe so there's so many kids here i can't keep track of who who (laughs) and but yeah she she uh has been coming you know she told me um i was asking her about covid and stuff just you know i was like you know telling her about what i was telling you about going back to school she said she had a friend that was healthy exercised 
38 years old, was in ICU for an extended amount of time and almost got intubated. And I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. That's not yeah, good. Like, Cause I mean, you hear like, well, that person was 300 pounds. This person had a, a BMI at this and they ate fast food all the time or Sometimes it makes a little more sense and you try and reason it's as such. And I've heard enough stories now like that one. <sighs> yeah, for sure, man. For sure. COVID's, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to get it. That's for sure. And, uh, people, you know, wear a mask, social distance, good hand hygiene. Those are all, that's all good stuff. Uh, you know, and, I will say, uh, this is kind of, I always talk about the silver linings, but dude, I, I'm washing my hands for 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I never did that. I never did that. Like, like maybe in eighth grade when I went through the little class and they row, row, row your boat. <laughs> that's the, that's the duration of the song. You should wash your hands, kids. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, I've, I've developed healthier habits for sure. Out of just like, just like I was talking, I didn't go to the dentist for years, dude. Just mostly because I was poor as fuck. But yeah. I then you. I now now I've got really good insurance, and I I dude I take care of myself all the time, and it's great. I feel and I feel a lot of empathy and sadness for people that can't, dude. When I was in college, I was broke. I was broke for after I got out of college. Yeah. Uh, for, for and I was in college for seven years. So that was a long time to be broke for. For sure. Yeah. It's, 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 it can be sad for sure. I mean, there's people that, you know, can't afford healthcare. Absolutely. And then, and then they may have a family and they may have, you know, little children, you know what I mean? That don't have hard, well, hard I, to afford health. I think this is worth being said. Like I was legit being like, why should I, why should I put myself at risk on this ill-conceived reopening plan? of going back to school and me, me put myself in that situation and risk leaving Cora with everything. Right. right. And then I was like, well, I just, you know, maybe just open two more martial arts gyms and, you know, teach a part-time class or something, but dude, insurance for me on the open market right now is almost a thousand dollars a month to wow. get the same coverage that in like, I was paying for just health for the longest time, not dental. Uh, $500 a month for Cora and I after we got married. And when I started working at the university, my retirement, which is 8%, they match a certain percent. My dental, vision, life, health, and retirement, all of that was cheaper being taken out of my check, cheaper than I was paying on the open market for health insurance at 30 years old. Wow. I could believe it. I could believe it. it's crazy. It's hard to believe, but that, yeah, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal, man. If you don't mind me asking you being a family, a part of a family business, um, what do you guys do for healthcare? Uh, we, uh, offer, uh, insurance to the drugstore. Um, I may, I may have to talk to you about that more because honestly, dude, I am going to, someday open two more gyms one in clarksville and probably one in morrillton that's a it's a goal and um doing that teaching part-time uh but man like it's just it's such a sad deal that insurance is a driving decision maker you know but if yeah. 
branching out and doing that. I was just talking to core about it yesterday. It's like offering, getting insurance for our business. And, you know, we, we could provide some insurance for a couple of people that are going to help in location B and C. And then we're here in this location. We could provide for Cora and myself, maybe one other, per, you know, yeah, that's kind of the thought for sure. I think there's, I think there's like a, uh, like you have, like once you have a certain amount of employees, you pretty much have to, I'm pretty sure through, uh, I don't know how many employees that is. Is it 10? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'd have to, I'd have to ask RD. I really don't know. How many employees do you guys have? Ah, like somewhere between 20 and 30, I think. Oh, uh, wow. Damn. That's a that lot. may be over. That may be overshooting it. So we got a snack bar in the back uh, of the store where we have like, you know, four or five people kind of rotate and work through there. And then uh, I think we got in the twenties for sure. Um, that's, uh, we've that's had some people retire, a few people retire recently, but uh, I think we're still batting somewhere in the twenties, maybe thirties. Cool, man. So how long have you guys been in business? Did you freeze up? Uh oh. Just a bit. I, I think I may have lost you. I can hear you. Hmm. You there? Hey, sorry about that. No, dude, no worries. It froze <laughs> up. It happens. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear everything good? Perfect. Awesome. So how long you guys been in business? So I actually wrote this down because I knew you're a historian and you would be curious to uh to know the history here. So let me so uh basically my grandpa uh Dale Walker and Charles Oates for the C and D, so it's for Charles and Dale, uh bought the drugstore on August second, nineteen fifty eight. Before then it was a drugstore that uh Bobby Evans owned. Before then it was Palace Drug. And then it goes all the way back to Hood Hood's Brothers Drugs, which was in the late eighteen hundreds. So we we didn't we didn't buy our family hasn't been involved with it. Uh they got involved with it in nineteen fifty eight. So it's been Okay, wow. Yeah, but it's been but there's been a drugstore in that location for like over a hundred years, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's very uh very old. How's the drugstore for a very long time? Absolutely. Well, man, didn't you you guys just recently got broke into, right? Oh, we did. Yep, yep. I know we crazy. were we were texting about it, but dude, I was reading that article like losing <laughs> my mind. I was like, and then they brought the canine in. And yeah, then, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, it, I mean, it was like reading. It was like then they opened the door of this closet and they said, "You come out." And, and then the man wouldn't come out. So the canine bit the man. Like, it was like, what? Yeah, it was, it, it was wild. What happened. Man, okay. So I woke up at like eight o'clock and it was already all done because I always took a place at like 5.30. And my dad like texted me. He's like, hey, somebody try to break in the store. So basically what happened, they call him around like five o'clock. Like, hey, you know, your alarm's going off. We think, but, you know, alarms can go off all, a lot of, you know, wind or different things like that. So like, something's going on. So they, uh, like I guess the cops all all went down there and it was between when like night shift and more like night shift was getting off and morning shift was getting on. So it ended up being like 14 cops down there. Cause all the ones that were going home were like, I want to see what's going on, you know? So basically they, uh, uh, knew somebody was in there. I forget how, I guess the dude busted through the door. So they knew somebody was in there and, uh, 
one of the cops like waved my dad down and uh like he could pull up the you know the cameras on his phone so they were like looking at it going through it and they were like talking to other people um and and the guy wouldn't come out uh so he tried to hide and eventually they just came in through the back door and uh sent the, sent the dog in after him the dog the dog got him the dog got him was he armed so he wasn't armed um but i think that there were some like old like uh family shotguns up there uh yeah. so i think they pretty much treated him like he was armed uh because he, we didn't know if he grabbed those or not. I didn't know if there were shells up there or not for him. It's kind of more I remember like reading that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think the cops were like, "All right, we're going to treat this guy like he's armed." I, apparently, they brought in like big like shields or whatever because he was upstairs. So like he had like a, a tactical position. So they were like, "I don't know." Uh, we don't have any cameras upstairs. Uh, unfortunately, I would have liked to seen the how it all panned out from from that view. That's crazy. Have you guys had anything like that happen before? no not really uh a, a few weeks ago someone tried to there has been like a string of attempted robberies at pharmacies and there's a couple guys that tried to break in through the side door there's actually a really funny video it was two dudes and they threw a brick and the brick didn't shatter the window so they turned around and ran off one of them walks right into a pole it's i on, saw uh, that video that? yeah 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 but but man I no didn't, yeah I didn't know that was you yeah no that was us yeah they those those people they like robbed a bunch of pharmacies but like i don't know man it's that that guy it nothing really like that's happened before for sure why uh you have any theory as to why uh is it the same sort of thing like people looking for drugs or they're addicted to like opioids and stuff so that's a great question i don't know I, so i know the, the guy was a regular customer at the drugstore like we know him like you know have had numerous interactions with him you know what i mean so it 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 sucks because like you know you never want to think anybody's capable of doing that i think my theory is he was just he was on drugs and because like when he came in he he obviously didn't really have a plan it doesn't look like it was like like he, he grabbed some gabapentin and some liquid tylenol which I gabapentin can be abused, but it's not really like, I mean, it, you don't really consider it like a super strong narcotic and you could tell he was just kind of like confused. Uh, so I think he was just high on drugs. He probably was after something stronger. He, maybe he is addicted to drugs. Um, I hope that he gets the help that he needs, uh, and they can, you know, get him back on the, on the right track for sure. Man, I do. Um, I would like to see some better, solutions in place for these people that are super addicted that end up suffering through the legal system and it's like i wonder if we could do something better than throwing someone in the penitentiary yeah and exposing them to coronavirus <laughs> yeah oh, seriously yeah that would be not not be a good place to go right now yeah dude, oh it's, man it's imagine sad. the people that were in there that were like about to get out and they got coronavirus yeah i've read some stories of like people that were like that, that situation like get, getting ready to go home and then ended up passing away because of covid that's it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking yeah well man i i've known some people now that have been addicted to opioids and have like there was a time and i was like 25 probably i just did not know man like i tell you i tell everybody this like i'd even taken an oxycontin recreationally and i projectile vomited dude i was <laughs> like fuck that oh man it was terrible uh it, so like 
I just never like, you know, some things you could be like, Oh, I see why somebody would want to use that every day. Right. It was never that for me. So like, I didn't have any empathy around the fact that somebody would want to keep doing it. Like I kind of understood it. Like, but I just never pills were never anything. I was like, Oh, pills are great. You know, or, or anything like that. But then I watched this documentary, um, called unguarded with Chris Heron. Have you ever heard of that? A 30 I've, for 30? I haven't heard of that. I'm gonna write that down. Unguarded. I strongly recommend it. Chris Heron, he was dude, he was like about to start a game for the Boston Celtics, but was withdrawing. And I didn't even know I had seen a person withdraw in front of me and I didn't know what was going on with them until hindsight. Until I saw this documentary. And that documentary allowed me to start building empathy towards people with uh, with pill addictions. Right. Yeah. Um, and man, just the research I've done on like uh, benzos, opioids, I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, or fentanyl, like, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is fentanyl an opioid or an opiate? Yeah, it's an opiate. Absolutely. It's uh, it's mostly a patch that you put on your skin and change every two to three days for like for like a uh, long term pain. But uh, it can be it can be you know, in a powder form for sure. If you were going to like, uh, there's people that can compound it into lozenges and different things like that. But yeah, it's a super strong opiate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, um, I remember when we went to Colby and I went to see widespread panic in DC and there was all of these crazy rumors. They're like, don't take any drugs at this concert because if people are lacing shit with fentanyl and you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) But but then like there were these people that looked like they got some of those drugs over there and were like, those people, they're on fentanyl. Yeah. Cause they were like, there's two people. They were like in intermission. They were just like laying over the side, passed out. And we're like, hello, panic. They're playing in a few (laughs) minutes. Wake up. Are you okay? Like the cops came and asked them like, you guys okay? (laughs) It's weird. But I mean, I wondered, sense if they if they weren't maybe on fentanyl because i've seen people one thing i noticed with with like oxycontin which is this one particular situation that i had some insight into somebody struggling with that they would just be like uh talking to you and then you would start talking and yeah the nod squad man the nod squad oh man nod off Right. Like this person, one, one particular person I'm referring to did classes here and they would, I guess, take this and it would turn them into like a superhero. But by the end of the rolling, they were, (laughs) and it, dude, it is super crazy to see someone fall asleep while you're talking to them, dude. Yeah. They're very powerful. So there's, I'll add two things here since, uh, so yeah, so basically there's a lot of, uh, fentanyl is apparently really cheap to make over in China. So there's people that are making a bunch of powder and selling it over here and people will lace drugs with it. And, uh, when you take a fentanyl orally, you're not supposed to take it orally, right? Cause remember it's a patch and it, it slowly absorbs in your skin. When you take a dose orally, it may kill you quick. Basically it makes your brain, you know, stop it turns off your respiratory system and you just quit breathing and you can just, you can just die. Um, in fact, there was when, when, when there was uh, dr- this is not funny, but like when there was drug smugglers, 
uh, I'm laughing, but uh, like they would literally like put rub fentanyl powder on some of their stuff. So if it got intercepted, like if you're a cop or maybe a, a border agent and you're like grabbing it, you'll, you'll get in your nose, right? And you'll just, you'll pass out, man. So it's, it's dangerous. Uh, luckily there's a drug called Narcan. Um, and if you know anybody that, cause, uh, and so here's, here's my, here's my second point too on that. Like, so opiates, right. Um, like op the opium plant is like a natural thing in the world. Right. And it's pretty phenomenal that you can, you can take it and extract it and it can help, help alleviate pain. And there are people that are, are, are in permanent pain. You know, there's different kind of conditions that where you, where you got to have up op the opiates may be your only relief for sure. So, um, they do have a place in, in medicine, I think. Um, so the problem is then differentiating between people that, uh, they really got to have them and then people that, you know, want them or, uh, and sometimes even like, uh, I spent, I spent a month at the VA, um, in Fayetteville, Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and, uh, like there's, uh, I think it was internal psych maybe is what it was called. But basically, it's like a psych ward there at the VA that you can you can check into. And there was a guy, right? He was probably thirty. He wasn't very old, and he, he you can admit yourself there. So he admitted himself, and everybody was like, you know, why are you here? He seemed like you're in fine mental health. And he's like, man, you know, I broke my arm when I was in the military, and basically, I they gave me like ninety hydrocodones. They just kept refilling it. I've been on them for forever. Like I can't get off of them, so I want to taper off here with medical supervision so that I can just, you know, safely do it and, and get get my life back basically and he ended up doing it over like a week and uh we watched him like we you know we talked to him and stuff and he's like oh man this really sucks but like but eventually you know he got through it and uh got back on the straight and narrow but so, so sometimes basically you know it is changing now but in the past a provider might write you like you know 90 hydrocodone or 120 hydrocodone and just keep refilling it and not really think about the fact that, you know, you may become physiologically dependent on it um, for something like a broken arm or something that, you know, you're not going to be in pain for the rest of your life with a condition like that. Uh, if that makes sense. I know I went on a tangent. Yeah, no, this, well, here's that makes me think about something else and you may not be able to attest to this or, or you may, I, I kind of think you will. It's like, the, the difference between a physiological dependence and probably something that that guy probably emerged with too. It's like how much, like, so I always thought it was just psychological dependence. Literally like when the first time I saw this person withdrawing that I was telling you about, I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> like I, I, cause you know, I'd never taken something and become physically, I knew alcohol dependence was a thing. I'd seen that, but I didn't know. And Sidebar also, man, I had an uncle when I was a kid that passed away taking a patch like you're talking about. I don't know if it was fentanyl because this would have been early 90s, like mid 90s, 95, maybe, maybe a little later than that. Um, and he died, died in his sleep with one of those patches under his tongue. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. So that was and I don't know if it, I don't know what it was. That's all I know about it really. But man, um, the, the sort of difference between a physical dependence, like, and a psychological dependence, like with like coming off of anything, there seems to be a lot of the psychological, like, uh, almost like, uh, no, I want to say a psychotic break, but like how much of that did you see in that case? Or would you say that like hydros are less so, can you test any of that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So opiates, uh, you, you become physiologically dependent on opiates. So what does that mean? So it means that there's these little opiate receptors that the opiates go and actually sit on. Um, and so, you know, like here's your receptor, it's getting blocked. So then more receptors start to pop up everywhere. Um, and, and what can happen is like, so if you're taking opiates, right? Like you may not feel a lot of pain, okay? You may feel kind of cold, you're probably sleeping good. Uh, you're probably constipated, right? Um, th that's that can happen with opiates. So you're on that forever. And then once you come off, there is a physiological response. You're gonna feel really warm. Any little like tap is gonna hurt super bad. You're gonna have diarrhea. Everything's gonna go in the opposite way because you've got all these receptors that are upregulated. So you're literally having a physiological response to not having a drug in your system anymore. Uh, but there also is, a, there's absolutely a psychological component to it um, where, you know, I mean, if, if you're aware that all that's going to, and that's not a fun, like the guy, the guy that I watched at the VA, like he would come in, he'd be smiling. He'd be like, Oh man, you know, I feel like crap. You know, I've had diarrhea, you know, fever. Um, but so, yeah, so that's, there's, and, and then with like alcohol, okay. I'll just jump into this alcohol and benzodiazepines. Right. So like, you know, if you drink alcohol frequently, you know, continuously for a very long time, what happened when you have a, like, if this is like, the seizure threshold so like if i if i come up here i can have a seizure right if i stay down here you know i'm not going to have a seizure okay so when you drink alcohol it basically raises this bar so it's like it's harder and harder for me to have a seizure if i'm drunk right or if i'm on a benzodiazepine because my body's more relaxed right and so if you're on that continuously and then you just stop cold turkey all of a sudden. So like, let's say this was normal. This is when you're in benzos. Now you shoot down way here. And so it's super easy to have a seizure. You're way more excited. Your neurons are way more excitable. Uh, and it's called, you know, getting the shakes or the DTs and basically just seize out and it, it's lethal. It's lethal to come off of, uh, you know, if you're a, if you're alcoholic and you just go cold turkey or if you're on benzos for a long time. Uh, so you got to have medical supervision for sure to, to come off. When I inquired, um, as to why the liquor stores were open while I was closed, <laughs> that was the answer I was given. Really? Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't ask the question. I actually just went online and was looking at, I think it was CDC or um, Arkansas Department of Health, one or the other, but it was basically like, we can't have people coming off alcohol and going to the hospital right now. Like, yeah. like we absolutely cannot have that happen because of the issue with, the hospitals like we need people to not go there for uh reasons we can control and it, which seems you know in the short term right and i get it because like you know a, a gym membership's a really an investment in like longer term health in my opinion um so anyway for sure uh what do you know about like uh adhd meds anything I know a little okay. bit about ADHD medicines. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we fill them. There's, there's, yeah, we fill them. Um, if somebody has them people abusing those as well, do you know anything about abuse of that or is, does it, is there similar effects, side effects coming off of them, anything like that? I don't know about, about coming off of them. That's a great question. I do know that my perspective has changed over time. When I was in college and pharmacy school, I thought that ADHD drugs were just like basically like academic steroids, like kids were doping and getting like, you know, so like if you took an Adderall, so say you made like a 27 on your ACT, right? And you took an Adderall and made like a 30, I don't know, three or four, like significantly higher. That's like, 
you know, there's, there's thousands of dollars worth of scholarship implications in doing something like that. So it's kind of like, so I used to think like, man, these are bad. And the more I read about it and learned about it, more data comes out. Like you can take an MRI of like, like a child, right? And you'll hear a lot of times people like, there'll be kids that are on Adderall and people, well, they just ain't raising that baby, right? You know, they need to da, 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 X, Y, Z. But if you take a child that's got diagnosed ADHD and do an MRI, you know, on the brain, and you take a child that doesn't have ADHD and do an MRI on the brain, they're going to look different. So there is something going on. Um, and it, it's a real disease. Uh, I, I think, um, I think, I, I think it's good that we can help people. You know, I think it's real. And I've backed off on the take that like, oh, this is just, you know, there is academic doping for sure. But there are people that legitimately need Adderall and uh, different ADHD medicines. And we're going to help them, you know, we'll fill them for them for sure. We're going to take good care of them, you know. I've often wondered about like, cause everybody always says like, and here's the thing, man, some people need certain meds, but, um, one thing uh, that I've heard about Adderall is like, um, it, it jacks your heart rate up or like, um, it's uh, the most common thing is like, that's just methamphetamine. <laughs> right. Have you heard that? It is very structurally similar to methamphetamine. Absolutely. And, um, but again, you know, it's, it's different than methamphetamine. You know, there's it. And again, we're, we're doing all this under, a, we're doing all of this under a health practitioner supervision, right? So, uh, it, although it can absolutely, you know, raise your heart rate, increase your blood pressure, those are parameters that you measure and just make sure, you know, nothing's going too far out of control. Well, that, and that's the thing too, man, a lot of meds, can do that, right? Like uh, my dad has been, um, he had a heart attack uh, last year and he's been taking some different meds and stuff and like has like scaled off of certain meds and had weird symptoms he was having go away, right? And like, that's another something somebody brought up to me the other day. They're like, oh, you take blood pressure medication, but you still have high blood pressure. Like, so it doesn't work. Like, I was like, well, I, I don't know anything about this, but because I don't have high blood pressure, but that seems like it's becoming more and more of a thing and that there are meds that cause high blood pressure that people kind of have to have, like that. And then it ends up leading to longer term like hypertension. Do you know anything about uh, blood pressure regulation or people with high blood pressure? Ah, yeah. So, so that so there's pros and cons to taking different medicines, right? And so you hope the idea is that you hope your pros that way your cons for sure. But in terms of blood pressure, like yeah, there's there's some people that will be on uh, 10 milligrams of amlodipine, and their blood pressure is still super high. So then, what they would need to do, what you know, the provider's like, okay, we're either going to increase your dose or change you to a different drug or add a drug until we can regulate it. Um, the best thing to do for blood pressure, in my opinion. Um, is the diet and exercise. Now that's not feasible for everybody, especially people with heart conditions or people that are a little bit older, maybe, you know, there's, there's all kinds of reasons why diet and exercise is not feasible, but for anybody that's young that can still exercise and control their diet, um, you can really make a big, a big difference in your blood pressure. If you, uh, you know, what, do you, diet what do you think causes high blood pressure for people? That's not like a symptom or a side effect of a, of a med they're taking. Hmm. I dude, I honestly, I don't know. Our, our arteries, our arteries tend to get harder the older we get. I think that probably has something to do with it. Um, our body changes, you know, blood, you got to have blood pressure cause you got to get blood in the organs. Right. So like 
I don't know. It's it's a fine line. And if you look at the reg, if you look at the regulate, like what's this the uh, recommended blood pressure for like the past, you know, when I was in school, it was like 120 over 80. Then it went to 140 over 90. Now I think it's back to 120. So there's it's always a moving target. Um, but you know, the more weight you carry around, uh, it's going to be harder for the body to push the blood everywhere. You know, so it might increase the pressure a little bit that way. Um, but man, I don't know. There's there's any, some people just have it's genetics too. You know what I mean? Like you can just get a bad deck of cards. Like I've wondered about that because um, my dad has it real bad, but um, I've never really had any high blood pressure. And I've often wondered if it, like how related it is to stress. Right. Or like, and it's, it's, it's been something that I've, I know people that struggle with it. My grandmother on my dad's side had high blood pressure. Um, I know a few elderly people that have high blood pressure. I just wonder, I've wondered for a while, like, and I've heard diet and exercise and one, one person I have uh, know that his wife is a retired nurse and she has high blood pressure, but re regulates it. I believe all with like uh, herbal herbal remedies. Like he's an herbalist, the the guy I'm talking about and is able through diet and er herbs and certain home remedies is able to regulate it pretty well good that's awesome that's awesome for sure yeah, yeah and i know that some you know like a couple years ago my dad uh his blood pressure meds like they like changed them for some reason maybe is some changing his insurance i think because he had, uh, started a new a new job and they got out of whack and he ended up going to the hospital because of the new meds. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Like a, yeah. Some sort of side effect of the new meds. Uh, anyway, but yeah. Insurance pretty much runs the show, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, um, so this has been a very healthy podcast. Health is wealth, bro. We should all exercise. <laughs> that, keeps, that keeps coming up. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, so we, you and I have talked in passing uh, just with like uh, Russellville because we have a marijuana dispensary here now, um, but and they are kind of, I guess, considered a pharmacy too, but like, I mean, different, like same, I guess they get the same sort of zoning licensing and stuff like that through the city. But um, I do, I, I have seen some pharmacists uh, in the, in the U S that have, um, got into the dispensary side of things like do you think that those two industries will ever unify more where people are just coming to the same space to get both because that seems like i don't know i mean we can get opioids but but getting the plant that grows out of the brown the ground that's not been processed or compounded or anything we can't get that over here right right uh I don't think that they'll ever intersect. I think with this is my personal opinion. I think that they won't in ever intersect because I think that marijuana is going to soon become recreationally legal nationally. Um, oh, so. That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, have you seen, um, and you don't have to speak on any of this. Uh, I do, and I probably shouldn't because I own a business, but have you seen Russellville is, is kind of trying to uh, block it. Let's say it becomes recreationally legal in the state. Russellville wants to block the recreational sale of cannabis here in our community, um, as well as um, if it were deemed federally legal, they want to pull states' rights if Arkansas hasn't passed recreational at that point. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Uh, we so I applied for a 
tried to get a license to own a dispensary and our I did it with my cousin Yancey and we were going to put ours in London because we figured that Russellville would try and do something like that um so all I'll say about that without you know I don't want to get too political is that there's a lot of people that are against marijuana in the state of Arkansas that were against marijuana um then once you know kind of it passed and they realized hey I can make a whole lot of money off of this then they became um, you know, more, more inclined to kind of, you know, basically they got a hold on it and it's like, we're going to do it how we want to do it and how we want to do it. It's going to put some more money in our pockets basically. Um, so I hope it goes recreationally legal. Uh, you know, that would be great. And, uh, I think, you know, that it's silly that it's not already, it's my opinion. You know, and if it becomes, I guess it'll still just be sold in a dispensary if it becomes recreational legal right? Like that'll always be uh, your, your venue to go get it uh, due to how things are set up across all states, right? I think so. I know uh, one of my friends lives in Oregon and so it's recreationally legal up there and so they can you buy at the store or they're allowed to like I think grow their own maybe if they want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think people should have the option to do that. I mean you, you should be able to so like so you can get it recreationally but do it like alcohol you know don't let people smoke and drive don't let people you know smoke in public you know you can you can still have it and and try to you know minimize pub, you know like i don't know i think that there's a happy medium we could come up with because it's taxable and i think that you know there's we could use that money off the sales of it to do a lot of good things for the community for sure plus it would give an extra padding for uh, all the mismanagement of the spending of tax dollars it's like hey we got a tax surplus from this uh, thing you guys <laughs> over here yeah, for sure for sure for sure yeah you know our state has been interesting to watch because it was 2016 when it was passed and then it was uh 2018 before we started seeing dispensaries pop up right uh there's going to be a dispensary open right across the overpass from uh uaccm and moralton there's one in uh conway fort smith i mean it's quite a few different dispensaries now across the state. But I wonder if there's not a lobby. I've kind of heard some chatter about this, but there is a lobby actually to stop recreational from happening because these people who are in on dispensaries are price gouging. Yeah, oh, sure, for sure. Yeah, they'll probably do. So the people that have this, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of them have a lot of money right? And they stand to gain even more money from them. So they would probably try to do anything they could uh, decrease their competition. I could see that for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I know the, uh, the one here in town has raised their prices on certain products three times. Oh, really? Wow. That's, yeah. uh, that's fucked up, man. Because it's like, if we are, if we are following the narrative that it's medicine, and I do see people there that like, man, they're there because they need it as, as a pain treatment or, or something like, you know, you can, there, there are people there that, that legitimately need it. And um, it, it just kind of like, okay, well, when you charge that and you mark it up three times when it was already like, I don't know, four times higher than it probably is on the black market. Yeah. Right? It's, <laughs> That is not, that's not helping anyone that needs medicine if you really legalize it for the reason of, oh yes, we're making it me medical for this re And I know that there's some, I guess insurance will cover some, I don't know, will it? Oh, wow, that's awesome. I, I don't know, I haven't heard of that, but that I'm sure there is some, an insurer out there somewhere that would like to 
like to roll the dice on it and say, yeah, sure. I'll get, I'll get you some, uh, some marijuana insurance. Um, man, yeah, it's a bunch of crap. So like they said, Oh yeah, this is medical. You know, So, so my whole argument of why we should legalize, you know, marijuana, medical marijuana, uh, was because, you know, somebody that's in a palliative care situation. So if somebody's like, okay, you're terminally ill, you know that you're going to die, right? Like you've got like six months to live. Like you should, you should be afforded the option. Uh, I think it's just to say otherwise lacks compassion that you should have the option to be able to maybe marijuana helps you get through that six months, right? You need to have that option and, and taking it off the table because of, you know, various social reasons is uh, a bunch of crap, right? But so let's not, you know, so they pass it as medical marijuana. Um, and then, you know, they come up with this hodgepodge. We're like, yeah, you know, we're selling, this is for to treat medical conditions, which some, you know, I do believe some people benefit from using marijuana. Um, but like, but oh yeah. So it's like all the other drugs, except that you can't, uh, you know, pharmacist doesn't have anything to do with it really. Um, they have to retain a pharmacist on staff. So part of me is pretty like, no, it's much crap, you know? So I do hope it goes recreationally legal and I hope that those people that are lobbying against it lose. And, uh, but maybe that's just cause I'm bitter. I don't know. It could be, but man, I don't think you're any more bitter than, most people I talk to on this subject, but then there's a whole sect of people that are, I think, older than we are by 20 years or more. And they think it is like the devil's lettuce, man, like Satan, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Dude, I was listening to, I don't even know why, but I was listening to Angry Patrick this morning briefly. Uh, when I got in my car, it came on and he was talking about how like the, the church of Satan has made these calls for students to submit poems, art, and yada yada for a chance to win a scholarship by the Church of Satan, <laughs> right? And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? Great, right, yeah, write a poem for Satan, right? He's just <laughs> like, not my Satan. Well, it was hilarious, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But some people, I, I do think that they are, uh, in my experience, I don't know very many liberal people who say yeah um that's bad we should but some do right but i know a lot of conservative people who tend to lean that way and they tend to be older and conservative without over politicizing i do know some conservative people who are pro cannabis yeah. legalization for sure so i don't know it's hard to peg down because uh well um who who is it who's the guy i always forget his name he's the dude that it's the meme. It's like changed my mind. Oh yeah. 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 I know he's like got his coffee mug and he's sitting at a desk. Yeah. I know who you're talking about uh, that guy. Uh, yeah. He's around our age. He's definitely not over 40. I wouldn't think I'll think of his name in a minute. Um, but he was, he argued big time against cannabis with Joe Rogan on his show. You should look oh, it up. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Is it Crowder? Is it his name? Maybe Crowder. Yeah. Crowder. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they get into a big argument. And, and two, it's, a, it's another thing, like there's a lot, of, um, a lot of misinformation, a lot of stereotypes, I think, about cannabis consumption. And like what you said, it's like maybe if people need um, ADHD meds and that provides some sort of effect, maybe cannabis does, I, I would say, like uh, let's take an indica strain. Like you, you consume an indica strain, whether you – vaporize it or or roll it up and smoke it or, or or whatever you do that will set the hyperactive mind down right so if you're if you're just 
like a rat on acid or something, right? It, it's going to calm you down. Some, I can't remember where I heard that saying, but it is a <laughs> saying, a rat on acid. But uh, it, it will slow your mind down, right? And uh, maybe some people could benefit. Uh, I've seen people make that argument in a similar way that people who take ADHD meds benefit. Yeah, and as more research comes out and more people figure out more things, it'll be interesting to see maybe how even public perception changes for sure. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great point. I, I've been talking with people about this and maybe you can, uh, we, and we can wrap up here with, uh, with masks. Okay. So I'll tell you straight up, I'm wearing a mask everywhere I go. And, and some people talk shit about that. I think I'm being, um, whatever for the same politicization we talked about on the last topic. But I, initially I was just like, whatever, but I wasn't going anywhere. Right. And over that time, as gym was closed, I was being around a very minimal amount of people. I was seeing like McMillan, Brent, and Cora, and really, I mean, my parents and my cousin, like it was just like, I never was around more than a person at a time. And it was like maybe 10 different people throughout the week. But the more I started being around people and the more I heard the narrative of wearing the mask, the more I was convinced, but I will tell you one thing that, and I'm being open, honest with everybody about this, that delayed me wearing a mask sooner was people bitching about it on the internet. Right. And they're not saying me, but Brian, you need to wear a mask. It's like fastest way to get me to not do something. is by telling me I have to, Yeah. but I had enough education and paranoia by the time the mask mandate hit that I was already wearing one everywhere right? The only place I was going where I wouldn't wear one in initially was the coffee house. And I'd wait till there'd be nobody in there and I would go in. Right. right. But now, um, and I went to like Walmart a time or two, but I'm wearing it everywhere, dude. And yeah. people, uh, and for numerous reasons, like, Oh, if we wear masks, we uh, first, I think that it works. I think that it reduces the risk big time. Like when me talking, lecturing, I see droplets come out of my mouth all the freaking time, dude. If you were laughing at me right now, one of them might go in your yeah. mouth. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The spread. So, yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, the, and I don't really care a ton for Bill Nye because I think he's like not a legit scientist, but whatever. <laughs> but him blowing into the mask. Yeah. Right. He's famous yeah. for making a part for NASA who employed a bunch of Nazis. Okay. So okay. there you go. There you go. All I'll say about that is so it's been really, COVID has been really interesting because we live in an age of like Twitter. So I don't think Twitter was around really like uh, the social media, things like that were like, so, and you know, someone can show you a post from doctor. So there's a lot of misinformation. So like someone can show you a post for Dr. Fauci from like 2005 and he's like, don't wear a mask. Masks won't help you. Um, and then, so there's like all this conflicting information. And so it's hard for people to really like, to like know what to believe, I guess. Um, and, and one of the, one of the things they messed up was they, uh, originally said, don't wear a mask because they wanted to save them off for healthcare workers. So they said, don't wear masks. Masks won't help you. Then they reversed their position. Right. And said, no, no, you need to wear cloth masks to just save the ones for healthcare workers. Um, and you know, so that confuses people. So now people are angry and they're like, I don't want to, you know, what do I believe? What do I know to believe? Well, here's another thing um, with vaccinations. It's so like the potential, like Asa has even said, Asa Hutchinson said that um, 
we will be wearing masks until there's a vaccine. I talked with an orthopedic surgeon last night, uh, Mr. Rowland, if you remember him coming in and working with me sometimes, I don't know if you would have been here, the older Asian man, uh, he's, a, he's an orthopedic surgeon, but he said, we will have a vaccine by September, October at the latest. Yeah. And he, he's, he's in meetings about the future of the hospital all the time, you know, like what, uh, and has operated on multiple people with COVID, yeah. right? So, but he said, um, he said uh, there's multiple companies working on it, um, that there'll be one by October, but maybe as early as September. But there's a lot of misinformation out there of, of this one. So like what you said, this made me think of that with the, ma the mask wearing confusion. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a great, a great point. Cause I, that was a, that was a reality that that was part of the narrative. But um, <clears throat> I just blanked out what we were talking about. I was making a bigger point. Vac vaccinations. COVID oh vaccinations. yeah. There's the original journal that came out where this guy put a bunch of, of bullshit science out. I've, I've heard about this three times. I was in two books recently. It was referenced that people will share stuff because they look like they want to be in a, the know yeah. is what basically, but this, this guy published like the pandemic. Also, this guy published <laughs> this research that was bullshit. It's come out that it was bullshit, but it's so in the public opinion that this vaccinations cause autism because of this one article that's been debunked and the scientist said he lied. Yeah. But then the conspiracy theorists are like, well, I guess the deep state got to him. Yeah. Dude, this is a conspiracy theorist like dream, this whole situation, really. You know what I mean? Because there's just been. It's, I hate to say that it's been mismanaged, but the information is always changing, right? So the more we learn about the virus, our, it's a, our uh, outlook or opinions on it are going to change, right? And that's, that's okay. You know, the CDC um, is doing, there's a lot of smart people at the CDC that are doing a really good job and they're going to get this thing figured out. That's the, that's the, that's one thing I want to leave every, or tell everybody is like, this is going to go away eventually. You know, probably I, I heard that Pfizer is going to make a, have a vaccine out by October. Uh, once the vaccine gets out, I think we're going to be trending in the right direction. I know that COVID's caused a lot of like, you know, it's hard not to be like extra stressed or extra down um, because it's just kind of a weird element to our society that we really haven't had to deal with before, but uh, they're going to get it figured out and um, just give, everyone should keep that in mind, right? For sure. It'll all be over by the election, right, Will? Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude. Yeah, this it's tough. So, like, yeah. It, once I just I I pray they come out with the vaccine and that we get some herd immunity and life can go on like it used to before then. I think that it will. Uh, that's generally how vaccines work. My friend asked me the other day, you know, if they have to push it out really quickly, do you think that that could be dangerous? I think that we're more advanced now than we've ever been. So I don't think that it's going to be dangerous. That's my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I mean, vaccinations like the polio vaccine that like, I, I, I remember Dr. Bush, my philosophy professor talking about kid after kid that got polio in his class. Right. And he was just like, yeah, that desk would be empty for the rest of the year. And then that desk would. And you would just wonder if your desk was going to be the empty one. Yeah. Right. Like, so and I think that we're trying to avoid that. And it's also blows my mind that I, I get a little bit of paranoia, like your friend was saying, that's healthy. But to holistically be like uh, to politicize all of these people like 
maybe there is a monetary gain from creating a vaccine, but to like lambast all the people involved in trying to create a medicine that will end this. Yeah. Right. Like the, the ingratitude towards everybody that's involved with that right now is, is not a silver lining. <laughs> For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, dude, um, are you, uh, are you still kind of distancing, just flying low key, not going a lot of places? Like what, what's daily life been like for you? When are you going to, when do you think you'll return to normal when the vaccine comes? That's a great question. So, uh, basically here's, here's, so yeah, basically I'm laying low. Like I don't eat my, my girlfriend does all the grocery shopping. She's in charge of disinfecting everything, making sure everything's good. I basically go to work. So I'm like my nine to five hasn't changed. I'm still going to work. Our lobbies closed there, right? So people don't come in. We just do curbsides or deliveries. Um, so I quit going. I haven't been to the gym since like the end of, I want to say March, whenever all this started. And I did it for, and so the gym could be extrapolated like other avenues in my life of places I may not go anymore. And the reason I do that is because, you know, I'm part of the people that are saying, hey, you know, if everyone's social distance, we'll be better off. Um, and so also, I'm getting paid, you know, RD's right cutting my check to not go do anything, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to not go do anything. Uh, yeah. But on the other, so like, you know, I'd hate to, with contact tracing, like if they figure out like, hey, wait a minute, like all these people that have this disease, I'll go to this drugstore. Hey, what if, you know, let's talk to all the employees of the drug. What, Mr. Walker, what have you been, you've been doing what now? Can you, can you give that to me one more time now? Right. And then conversely, I touch a lot of people's prescriptions that are sick, right? And so if I end up getting COVID uh, and say I'm an asymptomatic spreader and I don't know for a couple of days that I have it and I come to the gym and roll, I don't want to get anybody in the gym sick. You know what I mean? Dude, I, and I, yeah, I fig- that's the reason I figured you were laying low is yeah. because you, like, you provide a service that can't stop for a lot of yeah. people. And, <laughs> and sure. man, I, like I was thinking like you pretty much only probably, I mean, I know sometimes people come get prescriptions for like i'm coming to get, i'm not sick or feeling bad i'm gonna come get my topical ointment but you deal with so many sick people uh for so many reasons that like that's i've thought the same thing and that's dude that's very altruistic of you uh and i would i appreciate that you know like it's i will say what sucks and what core and i are most paranoid about right now is just to like we have to be open. We literally economically have no other choice. We're doing everything we can to distance, take temperatures, mask, unless you're on the mat due to exception D of part two of the state plan on mask mandate. But it's man, like where we're getting paranoid is like all the kids are about to be in back to school. So their exposure is going to go through the roof. And then I'm going to be back in the classroom. So my exposure is going to go through the roof and that's nerve wracking. Like it's not as nerve wracking right now. Like I'm only, the uh, only time I never uh, have my mask on is when I'm here on the mat. Right. And I've checked everybody's temp, my temp. We're doing things that we can. We're even getting this uh, like an ozone creator. Do you know about that? I haven't heard about that. Like cre- it like cleanses the air. Right? Oh, uh, awesome. This one gym that I got that I follow got one, um, and then this other thing, uh, defense soap makes a a a, uh, a foot cleaner. It's like it's like you step in it. I don't even know really how it works, but we're looking into getting one. Just like we're like, what else can we do? And these products are kind of coming out. We're like, we're trying that. It's it's you know, 
reduces people uh, spreading things on the map. Let's do it. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, and that's another, that's another weird angle aspect of it is like, I, you know, as like a healthcare uh, person, like I'll tell you, oh, yes, you got social distance, you got social distance. But at the same time, man, like people got to earn money. People got mouths to feed. You know what I mean? Like you can't ever ask anybody to be like, hey, can you just take an L on making money? Like absolutely. You know, like that's like not very, not very feasible at all. Right. So like, I'm glad, and I know you guys are doing a really good job of, because here's the thing, like if you use, if you use your PPE, if you use, you spray the, the, the virus, right? Like you got your mask on, right? Say like, if I cough on the surface, if I spray that puppy down with alcohol, we're good to go. You know, and as long as people implement things like that, you, you ha there has to be like, th these ideas have to intersect, right? Like, like life must go on and then also use good social distancing hygiene. You know what I mean? Like, if that makes any sense at all, that's all. Well, yeah, it does, man. And what my genuine hope is that the mask mandate by two weeks from the mandate, so I guess it was the 20th, I hope we start to see a reduction, but the numbers are just through the roof right now in the state. So UAMS yeah. projections don't look good for sure. So hopefully everyone will wear a mask and do what they can. And once, once we get that vaccine, we'll be, we'll be good to go. We'll be, we'll start to, well, it'll, it'll be an improvement for sure. If I get it, you're going to give me the shot, all right, bro? Listen, I'm sure they'll have pharmacists doing it, so I'll hook you up. Yeah, come by. I can even – I can uh, – will travel with vaccines. I can come to your gym, and I could do flu shots. I could – if they come out with a COVID shot and let us do it, I'll do them all there. You know, it's easy That's a to good do. Idea. You know, I've, I've done flu clinics before where we go to businesses and just hook all you – know, give shots to everybody. And yeah, uh, As many members as we have, like, peak of the evening. Yeah. We could definitely get you set up. That's not a bad idea. Man, just the older I get, Will, like the more I love having conversations like these and learning more about how I could stay alive longer and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and live a better quality of life, like to invest in my health. Like that's been something I've just been big on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it costs a little bit of money, but man, I'm going to, I'm, it's healthy. Like it's, it's, it's bettering my quality of life. Like for me to go get my jacked up neck from getting punched and slammed for 10 years, super hard. Like, Oh, go get some treatments on my neck. It feels better. All right. Thank you. You know, sure. just whatever you can do, whether that's diet and exercise, like it's a little, it's everybody always a little more expensive to eat healthy. Like I get it, but invest in your health. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You will feel better. You will have more energy. So, um, yeah, man. Well, stay safe out there, dude. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Dude, thanks for having me. And let me just say as a final thing, I love all the videos that you put on YouTube. I think you're basically like the Khan Academy of martial arts. And I hope that you, it, your channel deserves, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers for sure. Like I, that it is an immense, it's immense library of videos on there, dude. That's awesome. We're, yeah, yeah, I will say, like, uh, I'm getting back on rotate. Like, I haven't been putting as many gym videos out, and I have about 100 that I need to edit. Oh, wow. But then awesome. I always try and film kind of what we're currently doing to help people that are coming. But uh, moving in the studio, it's like, it's been a little rebalancing act on, I don't even have Ethernet in here right now. And, uh, yeah. like, <laughs> upload speed is a, yeah. But we're getting all that lined out, man, and we'll be putting even more. We did 100 videos, uh, almost 100, during the, the lockdown. So I appreciate you saying that. And it's, it takes time to build, man. I'll say I, I put a Jiu-Jitsu Nogi video out on Facebook the other day that got 6,000 views. Wow. It got, like a, it got several hundred on Instagram, and it did okay on YouTube. But, uh, man, Facebook has just been a high, high traffic area. I've got a 5,000-view podcast before, too, on Facebook. 
nice that's awesome that's awesome yeah yeah well right on bro bro stay safe take it easy stay healthy and uh hopefully i'll see you see you soon if not i'll shoot you a text and harass you or something sounds good sounds good thank you for having me all right man see ya see ya